Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Well, I hope everyone had a very wonderful Christmas filled with family and friends, and a happy new year as well as we move into 2022. So what can we expect? What can we hope for? Well, I have to see, of course, we'll have to see, but mandates and fascism surrounding CV is probably not going to go away. Now, regarding the question that I ask in the title of this particular episode, two second comings? Nope. There is only one second coming of our Lord and Savior. The rapture and the second coming are not connected in any way. That would be like saying that the great flood of Noah's day and the great white throne judgment are connected because they are both judgments of God. Years ago, when I was at Bible college, the pre-trib rapture position was the accepted view there. A few professors taught that the rapture was like part A, and the second coming itself was part B, but both were actually part of the second coming. Um, No, at the time I thought, well, okay, I guess so. Years later, I've come to understand that the rapture is its own standalone event altogether and has nothing directly to do or actually indirectly to do with the second coming, except that it puts us a little bit closer to the second coming. Recently, I came across a a guy with whom I attended Bible college with when we both attended there in the 1970s. We chatted via email, and he mentioned to me that he was now a post-tribber, having fully rejected the pre-trib rapture position, stating emphatically that nowhere does the Bible teach two second comings. Well, that statement was something that I could actually agree with him about, but the implication that he suggested that the pre-trib rapturists believe in two second comings is actually erroneous. There is only one second coming, and hopefully you are looking forward to that as much as I am, and it will happen at the end of the tribulation period. In fact, it is the actual closing event to that tribulation. He and I fully agree on that. So the rapture, I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches this, occurs prior to the start of the tribulation. We don't know how far in advance the rapture is going to occur of the tribulation. We don't know the day that it'll occur. We do not know the exact circumstances which will exist on this planet when God in Christ calls his bride home to be forever with him in the heavenly realms. We will be welcomed at that point to the Father's house. And it is because Jesus went there ahead of us to prepare a place for us. John 14, 1 to 3. Now, this is exactly like the ancient Jewish bridegroom and the ceremony of the Jewish wedding, who once was officially betrothed, well, he leaves his engaged bride while he then goes to prepare a place for her at his father's house. And we covered this in our recent article, The Bridegroom Cometh, and I've got a link for that in the transcript, and I wish I had called it something else, you know, like rapture versus second coming, or something anyway, but oh well, it is what it is. So in that article, I lay out what I believe are the facts regarding the Jewish wedding ceremony. 
Now, as noted, when the bridegroom eventually comes for his bride, having completed all of his preparations, which can take up to a year or so, he does not come all the way to the bride's house where she's staying with her wedding party. As he approaches her home with his groomsmen in tow, he blows the shofar. And she hears the sound of that and the noise that they're making, and she goes out to meet him as he is on the way to get her. Once they come together, the bridegroom does not continue with her to her house, where she just came from. He takes his bride and goes back to his father's home, where he has prepared a place for her, stopping along the way at the banquet hall, where he has also prepared a marriage feast. This is exactly the process that Jesus laid out in, uh, in, you know, for the bride and the church throughout the New Testament scriptures. Now we get a snippet of this, a very peek at this in John 14, one to three, where Jesus promises his disciples that even though he is leaving them for a while, there's a very specific purpose in his absence. He will then go to his father's house And he will then prepare a place for them there. And then he will return to get them, as he says, quote, that where I am, there you may be also, unquote, bringing them to the place that he prepared for them. As I mentioned before, he is not currently preparing such a place here on earth. He is in the heavenly realm, in his father's house, preparing such a place for each member of the bride, the church. And I hope you are one. I hope you are one. Now compare this to when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation. At that point, when he comes back physically and visibly, he will touch down on and remain on this earth for a thousand years, reigning from his earthly father, David's throne in Jerusalem. He isn't going to come to the earth, then go back to heaven because he will have work to do here on earth at that point. We, his bride, the church, will return with him at that point from heaven. Those believers who are here and alive on earth when he returns are not part of the bride of Christ. They are certainly believers, if they are believers, but they are Christians. But just as the Old Testament saints are not part of the bride, the church, things will tend to revert back to the way things were during the Old Testament times during the tribulation, when the Lord raptures his bride and church from this earth. So with respect to the rapture, it has nothing to do with the second coming. Once the church is gone from this earth, The Holy Spirit, the restrainer, will be simply moved out of the way because he currently indwells and works through the life of every authentic believer making up the church now. And when the church is removed, that restraining influence or Holy Spirit influence, if you will, that is now keeping back abject, unfettered evil and will no longer be in the way to do that. I realize there are some who see this restrainer that Paul mentions as an angel or group of angels. However, this is difficult to believe because angels can't be everywhere at once, no matter how many there are. The Holy Spirit, who is God, can and is everywhere at once, though he has chosen in this period of time that we are living in right now, since the time of Christ, to indwell the bride of Christ, individually and corporately. 
The rapture does not remove the Holy Spirit from the earth as some have erroneously taught. The rapture simply removes the vehicle, which is the church, through which the Holy Spirit has worked since Acts 2. And by the way, a pet peeve of mine regarding the rapture has to do with it being called the escape clause. Now, I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. I could physically die long before the rapture ever happens, and so could you. Life could change in the USA so drastically that Christians become hunted, persecuted, thrown in jail, and or killed for their faith. This has never happened in America, but it certainly could. To believe that the rapture is going to save me from this, what could possibly happen, is immature and I believe unbiblical. The the rapture itself has never, ever saved any other generation of Christians from persecution or death because it hasn't happened. And it isn't saving any Christian from that today outside of the USA, is it? Many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world face death daily for their faith. What about them? Christians in America really need to wake up to reality. Times are getting bad and evil is mounting a growing opposition against all that is God and those who follow him. So we need to prepare ourselves for that with our minds. So when will the rapture happen? Well, aside from it happening prior to the start of the tribulation, we simply don't know if it happens in the middle or the end of the tribulation, then it really wouldn't be a surprise, would it? It wouldn't be that thief in the night that Jesus refers to in Matthew 24, 43, or that Paul refers to in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. It wouldn't be that thief in the night event, would it? In fact, it would actually be fairly easy to determine at least a close proximity or estimate when Jesus would return. Once the tribulation starts officially, all a person has to do then would just be starting to count down seven years. Believers then who are alive at that time will simply know. In fact, Jesus says that when certain signs are seen in the sky, they should look up because their redemption draws near. That's also in Matthew 24. Now, the pre-trib rapture is the only timing of that event that truly allows for that thief-in-the-night unexpectedness. Yes, when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, it's going to take the world by surprise, but not believers. There is no sign signaling that the rapture is near. However, the end of the tribulation presents many signs that foretell his return is near. The rapture will happen when one thing occurs, as far as we know, and that is the fullness of the Gentiles coming in to the church, Romans eleven twenty five, otherwise known as the last Gentile to be saved into the church, the bride, prior to the tribulation. So as soon as that last Gentile becomes a Christian and becomes part of the church, the bride of Christ, that's when the rapture can actually happen. We don't know when that's going to happen. Could have happened, that last Christian, that Gentile, could have come in already. I don't know. Maybe it won't happen until tomorrow, the next week, the next year. God will then say when that happens, because only he knows that it's time. And he then calls his bride home. Following the rapture, the raw, unfiltered evil that is currently being held back by the restraint of the Holy Spirit working through the church will flood the world. Even a cursory reading of the book of Revelation reveals that things become exceedingly evil during the tribulation. Revelation chapters 6 through 19. 
and the time immediately leading immediately leading up to that point. Second Timothy three. I personally believe we are seeing that evil beginning to leach into society now. It's almost as if they are so pushing against the dam, pushing against the wall that if they could, they would push right through it. But of course they can't because the Holy Spirit restrains them. God's removal of his bride and his church at some future point is something that we need to keep in mind. And it is going to coincide with the world's cup of sin that will have become full at that point. God will begin then to pour out his wrath onto this world in a series of judgments that will shock the world to its core. 21 of them recorded in the book of Revelation. There is no reason for God to keep his bride, the church, here when he begins to pour out his wrath onto the people of this world and the world itself who continually reject him. There's no reason at all because Jesus was the recipient of God's wrath for all believers as he hung willingly on the cross in an exceedingly agonizing death. He didn't have to do that, but he did it because of his tremendous love for us, John 3, 16. Now, authentic Christians are not appointed to endure even one second of God's wrath, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Now, I realize there are those who believe the rapture will happen at the midpoint of the tribulation, while others embrace a pre-wrath rapture because they see many of the first set of judgments not poured out by God, but by human beings onto human beings. So it's like man's wrath or Satan's wrath against humanity. But I see the entirety of the seven years of the tribulation as God pouring out his wrath onto the people of this world and the world itself. God directs the action from the first seal in Revelation 6 from his throne room. John, the apostle, has been called up to that throne room to view the happenings from there. God is fully in charge of everything. Post-tribbers believe that God will protect his people from the wrath in the midst of the tribulation, from the beginning to the end. They believe we're still going to be here, but God's going to protect us from his wrath. Yet it's clear that multitudes and multitudes of believers will die during the tribulation, Revelation 6, 9 through 11, the fifth seal alone. Now, I've heard post-tribbers refer to Noah and how God saved Noah through the flood. But in reality, God actually removed Noah, his family, and the animals on the ark from the wrath that he poured out onto this world. There was absolutely no place God could have kept everyone in the ark safe from the floodwaters, the rainwaters on the earth. God only had two choices where to put Noah and the rest. And he could have done what he did with Enoch. He could have taken him, but that would have meant going to the afterlife, then bringing him back to this world. Or God could have safely placed him inside a huge boat that literally floated above the earth. There was no place on the earth at all, at all, that God could have sequestered Noah, his family, and the animals and kept them safe from the flood. Remember, the floodwaters went at least 15 cubits above the highest mountain. So there was no place they could go. He sequestered them inside the safety of the ark where the waters never touched them. What else 
What else could God have done? He obviously chose to keep them safe in the ark. Um, and from the disaster underneath them, where every living thing on the earth died, every living land animal, man animal died. Those in the ark experienced none of that. In essence, the ark was a type of pre-trib rapture event when it was all over. And 150 days later, the ark came to rest in the mountains of Ararat. And then after many more days, the floods finished receding and it was then safe to go back out of the safety of the ark onto the earth. The rapture is where God removes his bride, the church, so that we are completely out of harm's way of his wrath. And after a time of enjoying the pleasure and true rest of heaven, we will return with our Lord to the earth over which he will rule for 1,000 years with a rod of iron in perfect righteousness and justice. There is one rapture. There is one second coming. The two are not connected. Well, thanks so much for joining me, and I pray that until we meet again, God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 